welcome everyone to our podcast queer and allied and our sophomore episode another brick in the stone wall or rather i think we should name it beyond the stone wall <laughs> now that uh, the pride month is over uh, it's a complimentary podcast to our magazine queer nama whose first edition is available for free on www.queernilayam.org as a pdf or you can also order a physical copy i think you can still uh we represent queer nilayam a support group based in hyderabad which conducts weekly virtual meets monthly book club meets and uh, uh, occasional meetups for party and many many more uh, activities the music club which i was mentioning last time i think is still stuck in the stage of preliminary talks <laughs> uh about me uh, i your host for today i am vikram i identify myself as non binary uh, and my pronouns should be they and them but uh, i'm not extremely particular about uh, that so you can use anything for now and uh, about uh, my weekend or the week which has been i haven't watched much of tv shows so i'm afraid my knowledge in that sphere is woefully limited uh, but i heard there is a second season of special uh, is out and it's extremely good and the second, another season of elite is also out i mean who doesn't like the hot kumar and under andre andre my god when will i get their names right what is that again uh, #omander <laughs> and then uh, uh, we watched a movie the half of it along with sabudana things uh, it's a queer movie as a part of their pride celebration we watched it uh, it uh, made in 2020 20 uh, an american movie written and directed by alice wu it stars lia lewis daniel daimer and alexis lemire and uh, i know we have watched a lot of coming out stories uh, or a lot of coming to age stories that should be a better word but this one is special because it is grounded in reality it doesn't show that uh, usually this coming to age stories end with uh, hero and heroine or hero and hero or heroine and heroine whatever the chosen uh, pair of the writers they come together but here it's not like that it's actually they leave it open ended and people actually in as in real life they move to outside their city or inside their city with they move on with their lives which is revolutionary in a way because that's actually the real thing which happens in real life and no one shows it and it has a killer soundtrack my god what a soundtrack about the books uh, this month uh, for the queer reads hyderabad we have two books and one essay which i forgot to mention last time so we have truth about me by a revathi um, which is an amazing amazing book it moved me to tears at multiple points like her struggle her struggle throughout her life i would say is something which should be an essential read for everyone to develop like if you don't have compassion for it till now for the hijra community at least to understand them uh, at least to understand what are their hardships or to come out of your prejudices whatever this is an essential read it's actually an essential read uh, as a part of gender studies in madurai uh, university and multiple other universities around the globe also i believe 
then uh, the other book is living a feminist life by sara ahmed a wonderful book i would say a uh, beautiful writing uh, sometimes loopy like she writes uh, uh, she ends the, the sentence with the same words which uh, uh, she starts with like she writes the sentences as a palindrome and which makes it slightly confusing but other than that it's a beautiful uh, book there are multiple beautiful points in the book like the feminist kill joy that's a beautiful uh, uh, something revelation the revelatory means something new the concept is for me and uh, then there is also the feminist toolkit in the end the last 50 pages of it i'm like that's absolute genius then the essay which i forgot to mention last time but it is part of our book club is the uses of erotic by audrey lord i mean can it get any more revolutionary than that like the society has always asked us to suppress the erotic because it is something uh, which is not worth mentioning like that's the world which we live in uh, there is no going around it even for heteronormative people also because our greater evil is patriarchy so here audrey lord asks us to harness that energy of erotic while doing anything and everything and that in itself that idea in itself is kind of revolutionary you should have a look at it it's part of the book sister outsider which i had the privilege of even completing so the rest of the essays are also wonderful so if you want to check it out that's a there audrey lord this time the artist whom we'll be covering this episode it will be sam smith because uh, uh, we had a wonderful discussion about gender uh, fluidity this week and that prompted me to think about a gender fluid actor uh, or artist able to be more uh, grammatically correct and then i thought a chance to upon sam smith whom i already love because of his writings on the wall well there i think i gave out the song which i'm going to play in the end and enough of this useless banter let's jump into the main topic of the day with riddhi it's about stonewall and beyond it Hi Riddhi. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, once we have passed that uh, hearing stage or uh, confirming that we are able to hear each other. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh tell me Riddhi, uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Uh I am Riddhi. Uh I am from Hyderabad. I I'm a non-binary lesbian and uh yeah I'm I'm an English I work as an English teacher right now and I'm also involved in uh a queer support group in Hyderabad called Queer Nilayam mm-hmm. um in the past I've also been involved with other groups uh in Hyderabad such as Queer Swadhimana Yatra uh I and uh Queening and uh in toronto i was part part of a running club a queer running club called front runners yeah that's one that that's really where uh, my 
uh, activism, I guess, started in, at Frontrunners <laughs> or during university. Uh, yeah, that's when I really became interested in seeking community and uh, yeah, reaching out to other queer people and trying to contribute to the movement <laughs> in some way. That's, re- that's really wonderful. So, uh, in our, like, um, following the tradition which we have established or will be establishing right now, once we uh, do it two times, we have a quirky question uh-huh. which uh, kind of helps us as an icebreaker question also sometimes mm-hmm. or just to get ourselves comfortable with this whole situation because I know it's new for everyone. So, the question is, who do you think is so beautiful that it is actually criminal? Like it can uh, be anyone. Yeah, I think uh, Alok V. Menon. Uh, I don't know if you know about them. Uh, they're, uh, they're a non-binary artist, poet, uh, writer. Um, and um, yeah, I think just the way they embrace themselves, their queerness, and also like they've helped me. I don't know, their writing has like helped me uh, embrace tea in a way and just embrace myself. Uh, it's I think it's really beautiful, but also unfortunately it is actually criminal also to be <laughs> queer. So there's that. And uh, a lot of their writing, uh, I don't know, like they, they, they write about uh, a lot of things like they're a poet but uh an artist but they also write about science for example and uh, politics uh, how that connects to queerness and how that how the dominant narrative uh the cishet white narrative has uh been used in science and politics to control uh like the, the gender like to assert the gender binary basically so uh, I just I just love them and the work that wow. they've done and they are doing yeah that's wonderful and they're like and I have to actually go and check out they're just they're just, they're just they're just beautiful like I don't know just a beautiful person uh, <laughs> yeah so my answer would be I'm like I'm very basic uh, mm-hmm. uh, I just uh, look uh, like look for the looks only and mm-hmm. uh, Timothy Chalamet, do you know him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who call me by call, call me by <laughs> call me by your name. Yeah, he's just criminal. Like it's okay. it's really criminal to just look as good as him. That's all. Okay. I don't have much explanation about that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so let's jump into the topic. Um, so the topic is Stonewall, as uh, we all are aware of, as I already told. So tell me, Riddhi, like, uh, give us a brief of what was happening in US before Stonewall. Like, what is the mood of the people uh, before the Stonewall? Or basically, so, primarily queer community. So, I mean, uh, before uh, Stonewall rights happened, like, obviously, queer people have always existed. But, um, like, they were mostly invisible, I would say, not just in the US, but because of uh, spread of, because of colonization and uh, the assertion of the gender binary through colonization and criminalization of homosexuality like throughout the world like uh queer people were forced to be invisible 
due to fear of like rejection from society due to fear of violence so uh like before stonewall there were groups in the US that were uh doing the like they were they had that started doing work uh such as, there were groups like M- the Mattachine Society they believed in um like quietly they they weren't uh very they weren't a very radical group they their idea was for like uh to gain political rights civil rights for gay gay people through uh peaceful like means um not through like and uh not through being like out there and then there were also other support groups such as uh daughter of belitis uh was formed like few years before before Stonewall so daughter of belitis was i i believe you could say it was the first like uh group for uh for queer women for um and it was a support group and they also um so they gave, they provided resources uh for queer women uh to to live their best lives basically and uh to live on their own terms and they also um yeah helped them find community so mm-hmm. uh there was that but uh they they also had a magazine uh called the ladder i think like uh, yeah it, it was one of the first like queer publications like uh the uh, the ladder yeah so um so there was work being done and there were also uh, other groups uh that weren't um very out there like they they didn't really believe in protesting or uh or being visibly queer for like everyone to see but yeah there was work being done but i would uh, but it was mostly invisible and there was also like the deeply held belief within queer people themselves that there was something wrong with yes. queer people with being queer that it was like uh, a mental illness of some kind so uh a lot of queer people themselves were struggling to come out to themselves uh because of misinformation right so basically uh, to sum it down uh the mood was generally like people gay people they believe they are deviants but they also mm-hmm. believed that they yeah. have a right to exist but probably yeah. only on the fringes yeah and throughout this whole time like for example the us government had been like uh had been doing uh taking measures to control uh the not, like uh, to control gay people basically to keep them in the closet you can say to uh uh make perpetuate the, heteronormativity perpetuate yeah perpetuate heteronormativity and like there was uh uh for example there were laws uh created um for for bars for example there was uh the state li- liquor authority of new york i think mm-hmm. or uh they imposed uh, a ban uh on serving liquor to gay people like they yeah. they were disallowing bars from serving liquor to gay people and that bars was where gay people usually had to meet right they didn't have other spaces to meet each other so uh, that in a way it was controlling like where like where queer bodies could go if they could meet each other they were they were controlling uh queerness in a way so uh that was that was just one of many measures there were obviously like cross dressing laws uh that uh 
that uh, that uh, were uh, that told people what they could and couldn't wear uh, and um, yeah so just, so much like uh, segregation right 1960s segregation of black people and white people this sounds so much like that like the society at that time probably was not inviting the queer people but rather mm-hmm. just giving them a small space outside mm-hmm. the city probably and uh, making sure that they stay there do you think uh, is that a good summary of that uh it's attract queer people uh especially like a city like new york where stonewall happened uh the greenwich village was very like uh where people who didn't quite fit in went <laughs> and um like all the artists uh not just queer people but like a lot lot of artists lived there <clears throat> and um writers uh just people who didn't like really fit into society ended up at like the village yeah so with this mood going on like uh, i'm sure there were also picketing uh, at other places also so what actually happened on stonewall like at stonewall or on stonewall now we can say like stonewall as an event also like we mm-hmm. can also take ask like what happened on stonewall in uh, on that day yeah so i mean there was like when you talk about like protests going on there were like a few protests uh before that uh for example there was a protest against the military uh for for like uh not allowing uh for outing a gay person uh a few years before stonewall there was a sip in by the matachine society to protest against the uh the ban on serving liquor to gay people but those were relatively peaceful uh this uh what stonewall is significant uh because it was a full blown riot in which queer people were um uh, were refusing uh this kind of behavior from the government you know like you can't just uh spoil our night of fun the, the one time that like we get to go out and meet queer people you can't you can't ruin the space for us you can't treat us like this for no reason <coughs> sorry you see uh, uh, yes 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 go ahead go ahead go ahead yeah what was your question uh the question was there are two contrary things which we are mentioning here Mm-hmm. one is before this the gay people they were fighting for the rights mm-hmm. and at stonewall queer people came together mm-hmm. am i talking of a difference between cishet gay people uh, be, be, like dominating the queer scene before stonewall and at stonewall like everyone came together all the queens all the transgenders they also came to the forefront definitely like uh the the queens and the trans people they were at the forefront of the fight at stonewall like definitely there were gay men and lesbians involved also but uh it was the queens who were like uh for example marsha and sylvia they were like out there like throwing bricks at the cops uh like you know and and shouting and and like making it clear that we're not here to be messed with you can't mess with us so it was the at that at that particular point it was the queens who had like uh who were taking up direct action i would say like that um that kind throwing of direct the Maltos, action throwing yeah, the molotov yeah, cocktail <laughs> yeah yeah that kind of direct action was lacking i think and that kind of visibility to the movement uh that that the queens brought the trans people brought, brought. 
uh, trans people like Marsha and Sylvia uh, Rivera. Mm. So let's talk about this uh, queens and the transgender people. Uh, uh, maybe a little bit more because uh, mm-hmm. we have heard about cishet people's, uh, cishet gay people's uh, mm-hmm. contribution a lot. Yeah, seen it in movies also. Considering most so, of them like end up writing or writing histories. Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about Marsha and Sylvia. Uh, so uh, okay, so Marsha and Sylvia were two trans women. Uh, so Marsha was a uh, black woman as well. So uh, and Sylvia Rivera was a Latina woman, and uh, they both. Uh, had uh, run, had left their homes at a very young age and come to New York uh, to to be, uh, to find other queer people, I guess, to live in an environment where they were somewhat accepted uh, compared to the small town, smaller towns they were in before. And uh, they, found, they ended up finding each other and uh, they became involved very directly in the queer movement like their idea was uh they started a house for trans youth uh where where trans uh where trans kids uh and trans youth could uh find shelter so they didn't have to live on the streets because uh like i i like uh the homelessness uh, amongst uh, trans youth is like rampant even today yes and so there what they did was like it was directly helping the community you know uh so they started this house called star which stands for street transvestite uh, action revolutionaries uh and um they ran that place uh by doing sex work they did sex work to earn money to keep that place running and uh they, like and also the the children the as they were called the the people they were helping the children of the house they um they also like helped find food but Marsha and Sylvia generally uh took up the more dangerous work um which was sex work to to keep the house running yeah yes the options were quite limited for transgender people even today also even today yeah even today so we are seeing here two pe- two women of color mm-hmm. trans people Mm-hmm. and uh, they were instrumental in uh, making the stone wall right go on and keep it going on and probably they changed the mood of the people after that so what changed after stone wall um so okay firstly uh, so marsha and sylvia they like i said they were involved directly uh, through star by starting star house and the movement they were uh, even before Stonewall. They they were like involved um, in the community, but after, uh, for example, after Stonewall, a lot of queer groups came up. Like the weeks following Stonewall, a lot of a uh, lot of LGBTQ rights groups sprung up, and uh, the Gay Liberation Front was uh, one of the most important. So Marsha and Sylvia were also part of the Gay Liberation Front. And the Gay Liberation Front was all about like queer liberation. They so it was uh, like the what the bu- group was built on was uh, quite different from what the other groups were like, such as Mattachine Society were built on. Because those other groups wanted a, a society where gay people kind of just fit in, 
like we had a, the basic rights and we could like fit into like the cis heteronormative society that's but then when the gay liberation front came up uh it like their uh their vision was about queer liberation and uh they were like what well, we don't want to have to like fit into society we and uh the way they approached their activism was through a lens of anti-racism, anti-capitalism, anti-classism. Um, yeah. Uh, so the Gay Liberation Front, I think, uh, needs mentioning. Um, yes, but, definitely. Uh, yeah. And and then uh, after a few years after Stonewall, like, uh, like the movement, uh, so Stonewall like sparked the LGBTQ rights movement as we know it today. Before Stonewall, I think the the letters like I, like queer people obviously always existed, but I don't think they had started organizing themselves uh, until after Stonewall. You know, like Stonewall, uh, Stonewall showed queer people the power of like being visible, of organizing, of taking direct action. So. Uh, so after Stonewall, uh, there were a lot of groups that came up, and uh, but but a, a major part of the problem was that uh, even the groups such as Gay Liberation Front wanted to put like they included trans people, but even like uh, the dominant uh, groups in the queer community, the cis het white gay men especially back then they they were coming to dominate the movement and they they were relatively privileged like economically and socially they could pass as cis men they could they had economic privileges a lot of them uh had access to like apply for jobs that a lot of trans people couldn't for example a lot of women couldn't also at the time when you think about it a lot of uh cis women also so um they were like a relatively economically privileged but uh other groups uh like especially trans people in the movement their needs were largely getting ignored and uh in marsha like especially sylvia rivera she became really discontent with the uh way the movement was going uh being dominated by cishet white gay men and uh she also expressed that in a in a speech um a few years after Stonewall at uh, uh, at a public speech uh, which was uh, addressed to a crowd of largely like white white uh, gay cis gay people mm-hmm. uh, and it's called y'all better quiet down and she's basically <laughs> talking about how trans people are there on the streets and uh, and facing like the worst of queer phobia that society has to give and uh, the the brutality uh, like facing uh direct violence she was like i've had my nose broken i've been in jail i've been beaten up and all these like white gay men care about is uh like their pride parties you know she was she was obviously frustrated by that and uh they they were also a lot of them didn't even though people weren't uh, privileged enough to help out uh, especially economically they, they they were ignoring the trans people and the especially people of color in the movement were also being ignored um yeah. and i think that largely has to do with the yes it has to do with um transphobia within the gay community uh gay community yeah and there's also that racism is, that yeah. is something i want to ask 
like when we talked about queer community mm-hmm. is queer community immune to racism and transphobia of course or uh, can I mean, are we like shouldn't we be like immune to racism because we have seen the worst of it or transphobia because we have seen how it I feels mean, to racism, not be like racism and homophobia are two very kinds uh, of oppression i guess they're very, they're maybe they have similarities but i really can't, wouldn't compare it. and what like there are people who live who face racism and homophobia like it's it's a different experience altogether yes. uh, racism and homophobia uh but uh, about transphobia i think uh like transgender people um uh Sylvia and, uh, herself has felt that uh it's uh is the cis people who feel like trans people are uh, somehow holding back the queer rights movement like they're ashamed of like a lot of cis people might be ashamed of having trans people around them i think it like transphobia if it, if anyone is transphobic it largely has to do with issues internal issues that they're facing themselves uh maybe not coming to terms with their own uh with their own like i don't know gender queerness gender maybe true, you know true, true. uh and i think the same thing like uh yeah like queer people can also be transphobic like they could internalize just like people internalize homophobia people internalize transphobia yes right yes people internalize transphobia that's very true and there is this another thing which i wanted to just tell, like bring it up uh about this whitewashing of history while, while we are talking about yeah. it mm-hmm. like uh, i think in the 50th celebration of uh, uh, stonewall uh, lady gaga gave a speech and in the speech specifically i remember this lines like she t- told after c- congratulating everyone uh, and after uh, uh, saying that she is very happy to be there and honored feels honored to be there she said that she these are the verbatim words exactly she was told she told this i was told that stonewall movement was also or sorry also included queens and transgender people mm-hmm. yeah see how, how whitewashing like actually where marsha and silvia were the one who were down there and then it is hijacked and after 50 years we hear a story that they were also there yeah <laughs> yeah so we are not immune to racism or we are not immune to this one we thinking about racism this brings to me another uh, uh, anecdote i should say like uh, a woman uh, after she finds out that her son is gay in india she put a matrimonial ad saying that preferably brahmin boys yeah <laughs> of course i mean racism and casteism exist even in the queer community yeah yeah we're not uh, the commu- the queer community is not immune to racism and casteism but yeah i would expect us to be better than yeah and people the first who, time when i heard yeah. about uh, racism in queer community i was like is it even true like does it even exist then mm-hmm. i was like i am being extremely naive here <laughs> i mean sexism still exists in the queer oh, community oh sexism oh yeah that's uh, transphobia <laughs> still exists a lot of bad things still exist in the queer community yeah 
So about coming back to the Stonewall, yeah. what do you think yeah. was its global impact? Like even we are here in India, in mm-hmm. Hyderabad, 50, say 52 years after Stonewall, still talking yeah. about it. Yeah. Why? Why are we talking about it? So like I said, like before Stonewall, queer people weren't really visible. Um, I would say, I mean, because of colonization, a lot of like uh, diverse gender and sexual identity. Uh, Sexual, gender identities and sexualities have been like uh, I guess erased in a way uh, I mean the understanding of gen- uh, gender and sexuality that uh, the movement has given us with the labels was is like very different from what used to exist before colonization um, but uh, I, I would say uh, it's, it's the the visibility that the that has come since the riots the because the Stonewall riots gave uh, birth to the movement in the sense that, for example, I, w- I would say that's when like gay people kind of came out, started coming out. And uh, every year after that, to comm- commemorate the riots, we started having pride parades, for example. So and then we parades, forgot everything. <laughs> and, and then, then we forgot the roots. roots. Yeah, <laughs> which is sad. And uh, and after Pride Parade started, uh, they started uh, like uh, becoming more common in the Western world initially. I would say countries like Canada and the UK, Australia, they also started having Pride marches and uh, LGBTQ groups started uh, springing up in, in Western countries initially. And uh, now, like uh, almost 50 years after, um, like countries that used to be colonized ours for example uh, we we have come uh, we have made some um, progress like uh, but there are still like a lot of countries where homosexuality is criminalized uh, due to the the laws that were placed by yeah, we, we were not very far away colonial powers <laughs> only three years ago we repealed our laws i guess only three years yeah. was it three years i think it's in three 2018 years. so th- yeah. uh yeah 377 yeah. was revoked in 2018 hmm. so yeah we still have a long way to go uh but um I, what i don't like is um the idea that queerness is somehow a western import like a lot of colonized countries it's so sad that a lot of countries that are that uh, were colonized they uh, today people in our country for example are saying queerness is a western import which for is anyone so who far says that true. So for anyone who true. says that yeah it is so far from true for anyone yeah. who says that to me I'll mm-hmm. be like after my newfound knowledge from uh, that book, uh, Same Sex Love in India, were edited mm-hmm. by Ruth Vanita and Salim mm-hmm. Kirai. I'll be like, first you read that book and then we'll discuss about uh, how it is a Western concept. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I get that uh, the, like I said, like the movement as we know it today was started in the West, and the labels that we use, they are, I mean, they, yeah, the labels are born out of like the West, uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, all these labels that we have, uh, maybe there wasn't even an equivalent of those exact labels before, in the queer time before colonization, uh, or even before, in the queer time before like 
the gender binary started becoming like assertive because sure. yeah mm-hmm. uh before it become, became assertive because i do believe that was a time like many thousands of years ago where the gender binary wasn't a thing at all uh and then it started becoming enforced in different ways i guess but um anyways like uh i yeah like queerness is not a western concept and queer people have always existed like everywhere yes for sure yes. yeah queer i like that I stonewall believe. sparked but like we have to acknowledge that stonewall did spark the movement as we know it today Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. That's there. So yeah. queerness, as I believe, uh, maybe in our language we didn't have the words for it, but queerness always existed. It is part of a natural mm-hmm. spectrum. Like if we talk about yeah. a bell curve, mm-hmm. then ninety-seven percent will be within the normal limits, and three percent will stay outside the normal limits. So yeah. it's just talking about a normal bell curve. So even if we didn't have the language for it, even if we imported mm-hmm. the language from the West, mm-hmm. we didn't import the idea from the West. We just yeah. gave words from it from the West. Yeah. And my understanding about Stonewall would be like before that, everyone were like, or especially gay people were like, uh, can we please fit in? That's the thing. Mm-hmm. But after Stonewall, they are like. we are not going to fit in you are going to change for us <laughs> yeah yeah so. yeah we definitely need to demand for more uh i think go beyond just demanding for like same sex marriage like why stop there why like why not just like maybe i'm being really radical here and uh why not just do away with the whole oppressive and marriage, marriage. <laughs> exactly yeah. i was like because i have reservations about the same sex marriage thing because that is again one way of heteronormativity is what yeah. i feel my personal yeah. thoughts yeah i i don't uh, like i'm not uh, yeah i'm not against here. us fighting for that at all but like i think we need to consider like what like what marriage was why was it developed why do we have to center our whole idea of love around marriage which is marriage itself um it's it's not built on principles of love like i think it's no. just built on economics it's built for exactly. economic reasons exactly it is pure financial reasons it is pure economic transaction which goes on in every marriage before like at least in heteronormative marriage uh, generally Well, like they are made marriages were between families and when mm-hmm. there are families involved arranged marriages generally they are primarily a matter of financial uh, partaking or bargaining mm-hmm. uh, we are talking about dowry here or yeah. some giving a social bargaining like giving a better social standing in the uh, food chain something mm-hmm. like that so yeah. i don't believe in that marriage is an ideal way to for to fight but still my thoughts yeah. need not be yeah i mean i mean i i see the importance of again like fighting one step at a time and i do see it as a step in gaining equality because right now we're thinking of equality maybe not a queer utopia or queer liberation i think we're just fighting for equality right now which is sad right we're at equality <laughs> we're trying to conform into the heteronormative society yeah yeah <laughs> but still it's a long long journey ahead Mm-hmm. So coming back to again Stonewall because our yeah. topic is Stonewall. I mean the the, the, the when you think about like uh the steps we've taken now everyone thinks the like a lot of people believe that the fight for same sex marriage would kind of end uh our struggles which is again coming back to like uh 
the cis people the cis gay people in the queer community dominating the narrative the uh, so like why like if we even if we get same sex marriage in india for example why ca- uh how would that like end casteism like how exactly. is that intersectionality intersectionality yeah. is something which we cannot give up like uh, there is a person it is not gay and it's not like gay a person who is gay does not belong to any caste the caste and everything inherits the person inherits and he is also along with that he is gay or she is lesbian or they are trans mm-hmm. so this intersectionality of bringing all things together yeah. and uh, heteronormativity <coughs> might not be the way but at least one step at yeah. a time as you told <laughs> yeah exactly and uh i mean since stonewall like i feel like we are kind of losing the roots of like yeah that we wanted queer liberation but now we're settling for like very bi- like basic things so i'm i'm like why can't we think bigger why can't um why do we have to follow go fall always fall in the steps of um the US for example like people saw see same sex marriage as like the next natural step to take in the liberation movement i think a lot of queer activists activists that i met coming to india think uh believe that that's the that's the way to go like is inherently the next step like that's what the US did but i don't know like i'm not saying it doesn't have to be a step but like why uh is it naturally the next step exactly that's a wonderful question actually like to believe in our own maybe uh, idea of queerness mm-hmm. that brings me to the point uh can you tell me something about uh, stonewall movement anything which struck like a stonewall movement in india in indian queer history um i mean Or, i i i don't know if we can like um I don't know about comparing a specific moment but I mean I'm I'm also not very well read on that and I don't know how much of Indian queer history is even like preserved how much of the political movement uh no it's lost Indian yeah. queer history is getting lost every yeah. day like like languages endangered yeah. languages dying I because myself, we don't document <laughs> yeah so i mean i i'm only really aware of revoking uh the when article 377 got revoked hmm. yeah so and In when homosexuality got decriminalized so yes, maybe yes. i don't know i wouldn't i don't know if that's a stonewall movement because obviously to work up to that there was like queer visibility there were people fighting um and i think that's also linked to the stonewall movement but um maybe i don't know like what would you say when do you think we start getting the visibility and start organizing ourselves for me because i have lived in india for uh-huh. quite some time and the first time when i heard about these all things would be my idea of stonewall movement and not the first time i realized heard about what things. heard about lesbian homosexuality or being gay things discussed for the first time on national news or my mom yeah. talking about it and yeah. that would be around the time when fire movie came out 
like suddenly okay. everyone is talking about it everything it everyone is talking about it and i was like what just happened like i know about little bit about these things and all but why is right. everyone talking about it <laughs> right i mean so my point yeah. is it's not like one single uh, event like that is one event which i identify as a yeah. moment for me yeah yeah i think But, we all kind of have like that moment uh, in our queer lives or queer people yes. where you're like no one like me exists i think but then you this happens like a movie comes out i think for me that movie might have been dostana which is a really problematic movie but it, it like it showed me that yeah gay people exist i mean the movie was low key mocking gay people but yeah we and it was very problematic the whole depiction was very problematic but i was I like coming okay. from karan johar coming from karan yeah, johar from a gay that is yeah, much person, more yeah. problem from a much more problematic <laughs> from a gay person yeah definitely um but i mean that was in a way that was the movie that started the conversation in um in my i guess Hollywood. in yeah and the circles that i i was in like some people started talking about gay people you know people like people i went to school with they saw the movie and they were like uh they started using gay as a slur i guess which wasn't good uh but yeah i guess once people became aware of gay people around me i realized how much homophobia there is um also so visibility like comes with um that downside also right like uh you start realizing how much people uh are how queer phobic people can be oh, yeah can be. <laughs> yeah That's but so um true. no i was i was going to say when i when i came to came back to hyderabad uh like 2 years ago at the beginning of 2020 I didn't even like growing up in Hyderabad I didn't even know that the about the queer community that much like I used to see uh I would see trans people uh like generally begging or like at events uh sometimes at religious events um or weddings maybe I would see trans people I would I would um maybe somewhat identify with them I don't know like I was like okay those are other gender nonconforming people uh like like myself and um but then before like i didn't really know that there was a movement in india but like um i mean i came when i came back to hyderabad i uh i found out that hyderabad has been having pride parades for example since i think about 2012 yes, and 20, um, 20, yeah uh, yeah and even though i i've grown up in hyderabad i like didn't know about that until i really went out and uh try to f- connect with the people who organize queer swabhimana yatra so i went and connected with them like i didn't even know like that it existed you know that pride parades had been happening that's yeah. how we are that's how we queer people are clandestine we are we, we as i really like to say we yeah. are we, yeah, we are we have, a lot of us have to be quiet also right like a uh, yes. lot of uh, i know i've met people who have to quietly be involved and they involved in the community like they really want to like they want to be involved openly but there's always that fear of oh if someone takes a picture of me and it ends up in a newspaper and my parents sees it like that would create a ruckus at home and um 
just we that i guess uh yeah like i said being visible comes with its own challenges Pitfalls. yeah yeah, yeah. so i on that note mm-hmm. i would uh, like we can i think we can bring our uh, discussion to an end mm-hmm. by the last uh, question and which is my favorite till now what is the middle name of marsha p johnson what does p stand for so it literally stands for pay it no mind <laughs> i think i'm okay. going to adopt that as my my middle name <laughs> i i don't I, i mean yeah so the the story behind it is uh is really funny so pay it no mind is was her response uh when whenever someone asked what does the p stand for in in your name marsha p johnson she'd say pay it no mind um which uh, which was uh th- which is a reference to people wondering what like what her gender yeah yeah wondering what her gender is i guess yeah being confused by someone who had masculine features but like presented themselves like a woman so yeah so her response to them was paid no mind <laughs> and i think that should be uh my response when it was someone's like are you a man or a woman <laughs> Hey <laughs> no my <laughs> I'll be like that's my middle name from now yeah <laughs> on that note we have to bring it uh, bring our discussion to an end but before we end we have to talk about how marsha and silvia's lives they came to an end and that was not in a good way marsha uh, marsha was killed and the case is not solved and yeah, it is and it was suicide. called an accident or suicide accident. i guess yeah, yeah. and uh, silvia was homeless when she died so mm-hmm. those two people whom we remember or who we contributed so much to stonewall so much to for the community gave so much for the community in the end they i don't think that's a happy ending is it no not at all they didn't deserve that after yeah. doing everything that they've done for our community no one deserves that but no yeah not no one does but remembering their lives remembering their passion for queer liberation mm-hmm. in its true sense and yeah. we'll uh, try to continue that legacy yeah we'll do our best we'll do our uh, best yeah <laughs> or thank you. you know while they were actually called queen mothers uh, by people of star house so maybe <laughs> they are the mothers of this moment including yeah. many of our ancestors our queer ancestors and yes. yeah i just hope to like make them proud all of them yes on that note thank you ridhi thank you so much uh, next time we have a much more uh, different episode so i'm very excited about that yeah <laughs> so bye thank you ridhi thank you bye the artist we are featuring this episode is sam smith uh, their pronouns are uh, they and them and they are 29 years old born on 19th may 1992 and is an english singer and songwriter they rose to prominence in 2012 
they have won four grammy awards three brit awards three billboard music awards an american music award golden globe and an academy award in their illustrious career in 2014 they have come out as gay in 2017 they came out as gender queer and as of september 2019 they came out as non binary and would like uh, us to address them with the pronouns they and them the sort of point of featuring sam smith at the, in this episode is we just recently had a discussion about gender fluidity and the pronouns and uh, there were we had a discussion ranging uh, along the spectrum like the, there were few of us who were not very particular about our pronouns there were others who were particular about the pronouns because if we are not then that would invisibilize us uh, but if we are extremely particular about our pronouns then again it's like uh, the ones which we are born with like uh, the ones which we are born with and uh, we don't have a say in that so i think it's about uh, whatever you feel comfortable with uh, comfortable with and uh, there is no single way of being non binary that's the point of it right so let's enjoy this song of sam smith uh, their academy award winning song from specter Know that I will be 
So that's all for today folks until next time remember have fun be safe hold on and never 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 give up or give in and if you want you can always uh, contact us at queernilayamhyd@gmail.com until then until next time bye